Welcome to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast, where we help you reclaim the confidence and assurance that you need to thrive in motherhood. On this podcast, we're having authentic conversations among sisters and friends about raising our babies, because we believe life is fuller and more rich when you live and learn in community. So grab your earbuds and some coffee and listen while you tackle your to-do list. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Better Births, Better Babies podcast. Today, we are going to have a conversation about tongue and lip ties. So this is something that just in Hannah and Sarah working in the hospital and bottle feeding babies, but also um, as our friends have had babies and started their breastfeeding journeys, it's something that's come up a lot. And then Sarah experienced some of this also in her breastfeeding journey with Hadley. So Um, Yeah, let's just jump on in. So first of all, um, there's not a ton of research on why tongue ties and lip ties are happening more frequently, but they are happening more frequently. Some things that are being studied as far as like why it's, you know, what are the possibilities? Um, Currently, there are studies being done on the over-fortification that we do with folic acid, specifically during pregnancy, um, and then also just genetic mutations, which can happen in any pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So let's start with talking about what a tongue tie is. So a tongue tie is a short, tight band of tissue that tethers the tongue's tip to the floor of the mouth. So you would notice a tongue tie because it looks like your baby is having difficulty sticking their tongue out past their lower front gums or they're struggling to lift their tongue up to the roof of their mouth when they're crying. Um, A lip tie is a condition where the skin of the upper lip is attached to the gums in a way that prevents lip movement. So you would notice this visibly Um, If while you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding your baby, their lips are curling under. So all you see is kind of like a curled under lip. So, um, Sarah, do you want to start us off? I think first just by talking about like, you know, the over fortification of folic acid. Like what are some of the studies? I know there's not many, but some of the studies saying that you've read. Yeah. So um, I... A lot of this is coming up just because the lactation consultant industry is um, really trying to advocate for moms and infants and just successful breastfeeding relationships. And um, a lot of people are struggling more frequently than maybe in the past. Um, It's always been hard. You know, I think that's important to remember that breastfeeding is always difficult at some point in your journey for everybody. There's always bumps in the road. And so... um, But just feeding a baby is hard, you know, like formula is hard too, because a lot of babies' stomachs do not respond well to that. So I think it's just important. I just want to preface everything with that. Feeding a baby is difficult. Even at 18 months, I feel like you're always cutting an apple, peeling a banana, getting a cucumber. It's just like constant. It is difficult. So anyways, okay. Now back to like kind of what the speculating factors are. The reason why this is controversial is because a lot of pediatricians, a lot of doctors um, were not taught any of this in med school. Mm -hmm. And so doctors are busy people. They don't really have a lot of time outside of treating patients, one room to the next room to the next room. They're busy. I mean, you wait a long time when you go to the doctor's office. So they don't want to take their personal time to learn a lot of new things. And that's, I mean, I, I could say I 
could maybe relate with that a little bit. Um, but I think that it's important to know that this is happening more frequently and the people that are advocating it for it currently the most is lactation consultants, consultants, nurses, um, a lot of pediatric dentists can see it. Very speech pathologists, ENTs, um, that's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. So just because they're a doctor doesn't mean they're going to be against it. Um, It's just that's their specialty, so they're willing to acknowledge it. Um, But it is important to know that there are people now have, like, they're questioning now, like, why is this happening more frequently and why are we seeing so many more symptoms? Everybody has ties in their mouth, but why is this now affecting a baby's ability to af- safely get food into mm-hmm. their body? Yeah. And that is what we're experiencing the trauma in as moms and yeah. babies. So folic acid is a question. Um, that became a huge thing. I don't really know the timeline of that, but that became a really big thing because they actually, it was a discovery someone made that a lot of people, a lot of babies that were born with um, cleft palates, that's when you, like, the holes are in the roof of their mouth, on their face, lip, cleft lips, um, and then also uh, spinal disorders down at the base of the spine. Um, and Hannah and I can attest to having taken care of a lot of babies that have those disorders. Yeah. Some for genetic reasons, but they discovered that a lot of it, a lot of babies have issues with it for um, the reason of their mom not getting enough folic acid during pregnancy. So I usually... actually have spina bifida, like very minor, mm. and I only could tell because I went to the chiropractor and got an extra on my spine, and he like was like, "You can see a midline defect in your spine right here, but it doesn't affect me." But it is a like a midline, midline defect. defect, right? Yeah, and the mouth is a midline. It's a it's a one. There's only you only have one mouth, so it's right in the center, just like your nose. Um, so and your spinal cord. So those are all things that are important to your body, but they're all they all have to be finished and completed in the womb. With you know, at the very, it's kind of the last thing. Yeah, I was gonna so, say which it's it. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Biologically speaking. It's one of the last things to fully develop because Correct. babies are born with those like soft spots Correct. so that their Everything. skulls can kind of yes. squish together yes. and they can get out. Right. Yes. <laughs> so it's all quite a miracle yeah. if you ask me. But I think it's important to know that someone cre- came up with this, I mean, discovered it basically, that like moms need to be getting this in their diets in order to prevent a lot of these midline defects from being get basically a huge gap and a huge hole Mm -hmm. so now just so that people are aware if you look on the back of your bread packages and a lot of packaged food products it says that it's fortified with folic acid flour cereals are flour flour is the biggest one yeah so like your bag of flour is fortified with niacin and folic acid which they're all vitamins i mean no one thinks that any harm is yeah. due. But and then the other... even, like, in taking nutrition classes in college, like, there can be problems when you get too much of certain vitamins. Some right. are excreted if there's too much, but other ones, when they build up, they can actually cause more right. problems, too. Mm-hmm. And folic acid, they the big thing with that is neuro and brain development, too. So, of course, why would we not try sure. to, like, yeah. put this, make sure women are getting this? Prenatal vitamins, there's, like... Like, that is one of the stipulations. It has to have folic acid, and it has to be a certain level. So I just want to put that out there. There is an unknown. We don't know much. 
But yeah. we do know there has been some articles that I found released in the end of 2020, early 2021, where they say that there is possibly enough evidence to say that this deserves more research to figure out if that is causing... If we're overdoing it. If we're just... Yeah, it's causing a little too much skin to be formed because, great, it's all closed, but now we're it's kind of overdoing it yeah with all of the you know skin formation so that's one thing not to say you need to go out and throw your prenatal in the garbage please do not do that but like keep taking it (laughs) but follow the restrictions when it comes to like just not being careful how much processed food you're consuming because that is what's going to have it in there and that's that'll benefit you for a plethora of other reasons yeah Yeah. um and and then then the other yeah the other piece too is just like you can't really pick what country you're born in and you can't really pick like, I mean, there's just sickle cell anemia is a very common thing most people know about in the black African-American community. And I think that it's important to know that like, you know, just because you don't know something does not mean you're exempt to that. So a lot of lactation consultants do believe that about 50% of people are born like in our country with like, genetic mutation that predisposes their children to just like a uh, very tight um latches. latches tight tongue ties and some of that is they they're talking about that being an expressive form of the mthfr genetic mutation which um can manifest itself in the tongue and lip ties but also um kids and adults don't struggle to absorb B vitamins. Folic acid is a B vitamin. So there's all of this, like, um, it's a dysregulation. So just, just to put that out there, like just because you don't have three eyes does not mean you don't carry a genetic mutation. Like they can be very minor, but they are worth looking at if they're causing you problems. It can be like having two different colored eyes. That could be a genetic mutation. Like it's, it can show up weird ways. So so. we just want to put that out there because a lot of people are like genetic mutation, like not my family. We're fine. Yeah. It just sounds very dramatic. It's very like, yes. And that's another thing too. So we're getting ready to kind of move in to like a signs and symptoms type section, which is going to basically just be like, if all these negative things are happening, you should figure out if your baby has a tongue or a lip tie. What I did want to say though, and some of you are probably listening and you're like, I don't even remember what you said. If you go back and listen to the beginning of the episode where we defined what a tongue and lip tie are and what it can look like in your baby... If you see those things in your baby, which again is not being able to get their tongue out over their bottom um, gum area, not being able to touch their tongue to the roof of their mouth, or their lips being curled under while feeding, if that's happening, but breastfeeding is going fine, bottle feeding is going fine, as mom, you're not experiencing any nipple pain, your baby's not struggling with their weight, there's no other like negative signs and symptoms going on. It's not necessary to, like, go have those things revised or try and fix them. Like, you really don't want to mess with a good thing. And so we just wanted to throw that out there kind of as, like, a caveat. Even if you see those things in your baby, if everything else is going well, you can just let it be. They figure out how to adapt to it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can let it be for now. And we are going to talk about some later signs and symptoms. So, you know, those things come up. But for now... There's nothing to worry about. Hey friends, we are taking a quick break to tell you about the Better Births, Better Babies community. 
Inside, you'll find resources that expand on many of the topics we discuss on the show and an encouraging, active community of mamas who are just trying to figure this parenting thing out too. Go to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com and click join now to start your free 14 days. That's betterbirthsbetterbabies.com. We'll see y'all inside. Okay, so really quick, Hannah, tell us some early signs and symptoms um, if your baby or a baby has a lip or tongue tie. Yeah, um, so some of the early things that you might notice are um, your baby's not gaining weight. Um, They have reflux and colic, so they're just really, really fussy um, all the time and gassy. Um, Their latch when you're breastfeeding is very tight and it's just painful um, continuously. And then um, mom's nipples just like aren't healing. They're not getting um, any relief from breastfeeding. Um, and then the other thing would be extremely long feeds. So, um, even in the NICU, we say like, you probably shouldn't go more than 30 minutes, but, um, I've known people, especially when their babies have these like tie problems where their baby's feeding for like 45 minutes to an hour. And at that point they're expending really more energy than they are taking in. And so that's not beneficial either. So those are some early signs and symptoms that can, just show that your baby might have a tongue tie or a cheek tie or something like that, a lip tie, yeah. Sarah, do you have anything to add just from the perspective of a lactation consultant on any of those, like, signs or symptoms? No, I mean, I think, like, long feeds getting a low vo- lower volume. So if you're, if an, I don't want to say normal, but a very normal feed time for a newborn, it can be a little longer and yeah. half an hour and that's okay. But like they need to be getting like one and a half to two ounces in, in that half an hour after they get the hang of things. Mm-hmm. And if they're only getting a half an ounce or one ounce in a half an hour, like you have to just relinquish that something needs to be addressed. And sometimes that's hard and, to tell if you're exclusively correct. breastfeeding. Right. And so that we're going to move on to like how you would know, that they're only the amount that they're only getting in. That's, Can I ask a question really quick? When you say like total feed time, is that both breasts, or yes. is it possible for the baby in a feed to only eat on one breast for that amount of time, and that's okay? That's, so yeah, so that's another thing we can talk about later down the road, like feed patterns. A yeah. lot of things that moms just like it's personal preference. Some of it would go, you can go back and listen to our high, four milk hind milk episode. Um, four milk and hind milk can affect that, but like. Some moms just prefer because they have larger breasts or for a variety yeah. of reasons, they just want to feed on one breast gotcha. for okay. one feed. Mm-hmm. Some moms are very preferential, both breasts, every feed. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Um, but again, some babies don't get the hind milk if they do both breasts, yeah. both feeds. And so this is another thing, just I'm going to put this in here. If you do have damaged nipples and you're struggling because you believe there's a tongue tie or a tight latch or whatever... Um, doing a one breast at a time feed is a great way to just like re- reduce the suck time on and give, give one, your one boob a break rest. for about yeah. four to six hours mm-hmm. and then flip to the other boob. If you have pain in that other side that has not been fed on, you can hand express and save that or pump for a few minutes just to pull the pain off. Or like um, a pump or something. a pump, whatever. Yeah. And then you would put the baby on that breast the next feed you kind of have to train your body to do it so know that the first couple of days could be painful but for moms who are experiencing (laughs) lip tongue cheek ties all of that like alternating breasts 
for every other feed is a really great way to like Manage give the other things. side a break until That's you great. can come up with a solution for the problem. And but. I would say too, like at the beginning, sometimes it just takes your baby a little while to transfer the volume into them. Yes. So sometimes it could like their normal feed time could be 45 minutes, but it should go to like a shorter amount of time in the NICU because babies are sick. We just don't want them to go over 30 minutes, but I would say if it's a healthy baby, it can probably go up to like 45 minutes. That's okay. They're going to eventually learn how to consolidate a little bit better and it'll go down to a shorter yeah. time. And yeah, in our community, great. we like, we really emphasize how to read your baby. So like, that's a great place to go. Um, if you want to know, like, how do I know if my baby is full and like things are, it's like, I don't know if I need to see a lactation consultant or not. And I think that that's a great place to start just to know that like, your baby is satisfied after 45 minutes falling off the breast and then that's okay. Like they might've gotten that two ounces and that was just a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. So Hannah, if all those things that you said for the signs and symptoms, if a mom is listening to this right now and they're like, that's my baby. What, what's the first step that they should take and what does the process look like, I guess, for them to get those things corrected? Yeah. So I would say initially, you would want to get in contact with a lactation consultant. They're the ones that can diagnose um, the issue so that you can have, once you get a diagnosis, then you can start to like look at treatment options. So um, then you would probably go to an OT, which is an occupational therapist, um, or you could go to a pediatric dentist or an ENT, um, and lactation consultants might know some. You can also do your own research and kind of figure out the ones that you would like. Um, And then also there's some chiropractors that can do um, like a laser therapy and that's also just more rare of a thing but you can do research and find if there's one in your area that does that yeah I bet if you lived in like a bigger city yeah you'd probably be able to find like a chiropractor yeah. to do and this from living in kind of the middle of nowhere I know a lot of moms who have had to like drive kind of far to like get these problems figured out and mm-hmm. it's really hard but it's definitely worth it um lactation consultants I can attest to the fact that like I really think that every single mom that has a baby needs to be seen by a lactation consultant. Yes. I think that like you can wait until weeks down the road and that just is really hard. And I think that a lactation consultant can visualize a lot of things in a very short amount mm-hmm. of time. Um, you can plan and make an appointment right when you get home from the hospital to have someone privately come to your home. But typically now insurance covers it completely. You might have to do the math and the, the, the work on your own but I just think all of those things are important to know that like they're very much like a doula you have to sometimes self-consult with them and self know that you need that yeah. some pediatrician offices have them staffed or have a number that they of someone they really trust but again I would say that's probably 50 50 if not less well, so and then you had your baby at a baby friendly hospital and you yeah. said they just a lot of baby friendly hospitals staff a lactation staff all the time and someone will come in but i want to emphasize again our community like in in our membership it's a wealth of knowledge and we talk a lot about this too just that they're like lactations lactation consultants all have a story of where they came from and what they know best mm-hmm. and so um I would say the best lactation consultant is going to say, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find it out for you. Or I know someone I can call. And that is what you want to be treated with. If you feel like you're being talked to by somebody who's just rattling off some things to try and things don't feel very organized or you don't feel like they're explaining to you 
why they're asking you to do what you're doing or like if they're giving you hey start pumping or start doing this or start doing that and they're not telling you like why some of it you have to ask but if they're not like you can ask to see someone else and you can like not all lactation consultants are created it's like a provider like you can always get a second opinion and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. you know it shouldn't be something that you feel some know tongue ties well and some don't yeah and that's just okay and like we have lactation consultants in the NICU where I worked and they like they specialize in NICU babies so like I probably wouldn't want if I had a healthy baby them to come like I mean they probably would do a good job but they just would do better with like NICU babies that are sick and things like that so correct yeah good points Mm mm-hmm Oh, um, so also if you don't have access to a lactation consultant, um, there's a few ways that you can find them. So there's the Le Leche League, um, which is just an online resource. And then, um, I think that you can just search them or I don't know if the website is Le Leche League or whatever, but there's also a lactation hotline, which the number is 1-800-994-9662 and you call them and you'll get in contact with a lactation consultant. Yeah, and I was just going to say, too, um, you know, we are very, like, our main focus is helping moms, like, with breastfeeding and, you know, breast milk, that kind of thing. But even if you're bottle feeding and you're choosing to use formula, like, seeing a lactation consultant is a really Mm -hmm. good idea because I have known many people who have decided to bottle feed formula who have gone through hundreds of dollars in formula thinking that their baby's problems is in the formula and that might be true but it could just be their suck or it could just be the bottle and so um yeah we just want to encourage like even if you're choosing to bottle feed with formula or maybe you're fostering or you're adopting and that's your that's your option because you're not lactating like please still consult a lactation consultant if any of these things are happening to your baby because it could be the formula could be the bottle but it could be yeah. could be something and they else, do an so. awesome job at helping people come up with a very like personalized schedule or a routine for your baby and like if you aren't producing enough milk they're phenomenal at helping you for whatever reason hormones whatever at helping you get the resources that you need to maybe even just partially breastfeed your baby or partially breast milk feed yeah in a bottle they like that's just something that that they specialize in so mm-hmm. i think it's really important just because it says lactation consultant and it's lactating like for anybody out there feeding a baby, yeah, it's like a sleep. It's like a sleep consultant. Everybody wants sleep. Everybody wants a fed baby. So you should probably see a lactation consultant just to help you. Like, how do I prep bottles the fastest? What are some things I could think about? Like, they will help you with routines and getting your husband involved. And like, how could you get more sleep at night as it relates to feeding or going half and half on breast milk and formula because you can't do all breast milk. So I just think that like we have such a hot and cold perspective on this and they really do a good job at trying to find out what is best for you so great Um, great plug yeah so sarah on tie revisions is it you know the magic fix you get everything get clipped and everything's fine or are there things that like typically people can expect after a revision to be able to get that relief and help their baby so this is kind of typically the unfortunate question i'm getting the rough estimate that like 
30% of babies that have the procedure, that's a very, like, that's a quote. But I think the percentage is smaller um, that experience immediate relief for yeah. moms that have so- sore nipples, poor suck. Like, usually you get desperate enough because you are your suck hurts or your baby's losing weight. Those are the, like, I feel desperate. My baby is dropping their weight because they're not transferring enough or my nipples feel like they're literally going to fall off. And so you're literally hoping that like, I'm going to go get this procedure and everything's going to be fixed. And I can just tell you that most likely it will not be fixed because um, the biggest portion of an issue with a tongue tie is when the tongue is tacked to the bottom of the mouth while the baby is developing in utero, the palate does not form in a flat manner it forms more arched which creates an alternative suction and it that's what part of what can cause the pain right and so i think it's important to know that your baby will grow out of that but that tongue now has the flexibility to touch the roof of the mouth and like kind of reform it yeah and that just takes age and growth they grow fast but that's important to know if you have a severe tongue tie um that just is all going to take time. And then the other piece of that is your baby knows how, how to suck in the one way they know how to suck. So right. um, a lot of that requires a retraining too. If it's not a high palate, there's like muscle memory that we all have. You learn to ride a bike in a certain way. You learn to write with a pencil in a certain way. And that's just what you do. Yep. Um, and so that's important to know that there is the likelihood that it will be solved overnight is low but it does not mean that your baby doesn't need it yeah um it's like maybe kind of like if you had to have a cast and you get it off and your muscles are very weak and you have to like strengthen them again yes yeah it's just frustrating and i get that but i wanted to like um but your bones are then healed but you still have to like kind of retrain that but i really wanted to put a little cut like a little snippet in here because this is what personally helped me i noticed that hadley did have signs of lip ties and that concerned me as a mom because I was having a lot of nipple pain so that was where I like decided to um, do some research and see what else I could do for her situation so I took her to chiropractor I had some craniosacral therapy done and I actually have experienced myself but heard from other people that that's where you can experience a little bit more immediate relief because of how tight their muscles are in conjunction with the ties and that was, I feel like that's resolved the problem for me. And we never ended up having to get anything clipped because my nipples started to heal up and yeah. um, things started to kind of go back to normal, which was really helpful. So I put that in there because a lot of lactation consultants have a ton of resources for you, but some of the other methods of treatment, there's just not a lot of people out there performing those. And so you mm-hmm. as mom might have to do your own research to to look for people who do infant massage. And sometimes people are like, well, I can't find it on Google. Just start talking about it. Ask people, ask your friends, ask not possibly the doctor you go to, but lactation consultant. Like, do you know anyone who specializes in infant massage or craniosacral therapy or chiropractors? You might have to be the one that triggers their brain to think like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Like, way to go, mom. Um, Or asking them if you can go see an OT regularly. Because literally some moms have experienced immediate relief after those appointments of someone working on their baby's Mm -hmm. muscles and skull and cranium. Um, And then just a little caveat with the chiropractor thing. If, like, I think a lot of people think, like, 
big cracks like what you see on videos but with babies it's nothing like that it's just like tiny little adjustments and yeah it's not something that seems scary for a baby for sure and every baby has been cramped in a womb for nine months so they that's just really helpful for their little bodies Mm -hmm. um so yeah so let's Hannah let's talk a little bit about just things that can happen later you know like a lot of these early signs um, could be missed if your baby is bottle fed. And so, you know, like we talked about a little bit, if you're fostering, if you're adopting, if you can't lactate, whatever, you're probably bottle feeding. So um, let's talk a little bit about things that could happen later outside of that first like six to 10 week mark um, that could potentially be a tongue or lip time. Yeah. So things that could happen um, more so when your baby's starting to like become a toddler and like going into preschool and kindergarten, things like that. Um, they could maybe um, be referred to like a speech therapist by like a teacher or something because their speech is not developing the way that it's supposed to. Um, yeah. Based off of what they know um, with all of like the other kids. The other thing is they could um, be a picky eater. They could just like yeah, be extremely picky and just, like, only want, you know, a few things, and it could be a texture thing, probably more so than a taste thing, because of how, like, their lips, like, how they're able to chew and and things like that, Um, and then the other thing is they're a poor sleeper, they're just, like, yeah, struggling to sleep. I think it's important to know that, like, to be referred to speech therapy, to be a picky eater, like, those are adaptive things that happen so like your baby is deciding to not eat certain foods because it might make their mouth uncomfortable they don't feel like they can manage the food safely in their mouth Mm -hmm. like it literally could be a safety issue and not so much like I'm choosing to be picky but that makes me nervous because I can't manage that with my tongue in my mouth and speech therapy too like they're not able to pronounce the words because their tongue cannot the touch the, the roof of their mouth very effectively. Yeah. They don't have the muscle tone. So all of these things, the hard part about it is they can go to an OT and you probably will see progress. Like you'll mm-hmm. see change and you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But as a mom, it just wouldn't hurt for you to take them to a pediatric dentist on your own or an ENT or ask the OT or speech or P- whatever speech PT, yeah. like, can you put in a consult for us if your insurance needs that just so we can like see if this is actually a mechanical issue that we can get mm-hmm. fixed? Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I think we were going to talk about a little bit is drooling. Um, okay. I'm learning a little bit more with that from, from lactation consultants that they're actually drooling is a sign, especially once your baby is sitting up, it doesn't mean they weren't drooling from birth. But now that they're in the seated position at about six months old, the drool is now dropping forward and coming out of their mouth. And so drooling is a huge sign, actually, of poor facial muscle tone. Yeah. Um, and tongue and lip ties are a very common cause of poor muscle facial tone. So your baby might have been, like we talked about, a bottle feeder, no other issues, but now they're just drooling all over the place. And... Um, I think you can be you'd be shocked I think to have them treated later on in life and not much of that happens because they feel like they can manage no. their secretions and swallow and all of that would affect sleep so yeah. that's where you get and poor like, sleep you know like when you drool or like your mouth is open when you're sleeping um, that can be a cause of like a tongue or a lip tie and yep. that can cause snoring and then that causes like you to wake up and all those things and yes yeah. yeah and even too let's just throw in like if the drooling starts around the same time 
PST thing. Mm-hmm. If you have to, if you feel like you constantly are changing your baby's clothes or have to keep them in a bib or you always have to have a burp rag nearby because there's so much drool, even during teething, it is worth it to, yes. to, get, to get these things checked. A lot of people believe strongly enough that like teething is not a sign of drooling. So I think that that, I had no idea, but like I think okay, that's important yeah. to know that like really it has more to do with most kids get their teeth when they start to sit up. Like right. they happen yeah. very, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, and a lot of people will say, Oh my goodness, my kid got my, their first illness when they were six months and they started, they popped their first tooth and they got a fever. And more of that has to do with breast milk actually drops some level of immunity at around six months. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't realize that things happen at the same time, yeah. but they might not be connected. Yeah. And drooling is one of those things yeah. where it's like, very fascinating to learn that has more to do with poor facial tone and muscle tone and suck than it does with teeth coming in. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, I feel like we gave a lot of really good information in this episode. This might be one of those episodes that you come back and listen to again. Um, We will link to the La Leche League in the show notes. We'll put the lactation hotline number in the show notes. And then also um, we'll provide any additional resources that we think are helpful or maybe some of those studies that we found um, on the folic acid. But we thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We would love to meet you inside our community. So head on over to betterbirthsbetterbabies.com to join. You'll immediately be welcomed into an amazing group of like-minded mamas and you'll be inspired and encouraged in your own motherhood journey. We'll see you there.